Hey, good morning, Springbrook. So good to see you out on this spring day. Yes, uh, spring is coming, no doubt about that. This past week, uh, Nelson Mandela has been in the news. He's 95 years old, struggling with pneumonia. And I was watching a uh, feature on him, and it was just interesting to see how much the people love him in South Africa. Uh, just how beloved he is for all that uh, he's done there. As you know, he was a political prisoner uh, for many years, a civil rights leader uh, to remove apartheid as the law in the land of South Africa. And from 1963 to 1990, he spent in prison. And they were willing to let him out. He would come out at certain points until things changed. And eventually, uh, things were his liking, so he left prison and eventually became president of South Africa. And it's just incredible how one man could have such an impact on a nation uh, through prison. He was in prison, but he was most influential when he was in prison. And it reminds me of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was in prison over the course of his ministry, probably around six and a half years he spent in prison at different times. And one might say that when he was in prison, uh, his influence increased because he wrote uh, some of his epistles there that are found in the New Testament letters uh, to the churches that he had started. And the letter we're going to be studying uh, over the next uh, 12 weeks with a break from Mother's Day and Father's Day is a letter to the people at Philippi, the book of Philippians. And it is a powerful, powerful book that God inspired Paul to write just four short chapters, but they are power-packed. It's all about joy. Joy. That's the theme. Joy, and I've entitled this series Uncommon Joy, because typically when our culture thinks about joy, it thinks about happiness. We all know that happiness is based on circumstances. If things are going well for you, everybody's nice to you on your job, and you're making good money, and nobody's sick, and uh, new things are happening. Hey, life is great, but when everything's going the other way, Life is not going so well. You don't have any happiness. Well, friends, that's the nature of life. It's just a roller coaster if you're just dependent upon circumstance. We're talking about what Paul's talking about. What God's revealing through Paul is a deep-seated joy that is grounded in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's this relationship that you continue to cultivate and you discover more and more of this joy. So no matter what is happening in your life circumstantially, there's this, this uh, security, there's this confidence, there's this supernatural peace you experience because of this supernatural joy that comes uh, from the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, right? It's a supernatural, God-empowered joy that we're going to be exploring. So let's pray together. Lord, I'm so excited to begin this study in Philippians. Thank you for what we learned 
in the book of Ecclesiastes in terms of how life can never be satisfied without you. We need to chase after Jesus. And Lord, I pray you'd just bring our church through another great season of learning. I pray, first of all, that you'd work in my own heart as I study and prepare. You'd help me to apply these things to my life, help my my joy to grow deeper over the next three months. And then I pray for my friends here, my family members, that they also would be preparing for each Sunday by reading the passage and just really opening their hearts to your spirit to speak to them in a very special way. In Christ's name, amen. Well, let's jump in here. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, typical opening to one of Paul's letters. Interesting that he mentions Timothy. Timothy didn't write the letter, but he was a key partner with Paul. He was there in Philippi when Paul went to start the church there along with Silas. And he also was going back to Philippi with this letter. And he probably wrote the letter in the sense of uh, Paul dictating it. That's a possibility. So it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, bond servants, doulos, which is more than just a slave. It's a slave who's chosen to stay. Many times slaves would give, be given the opportunity to, to be free uh, of their slavery, but particular slaves didn't want to go anywhere. They liked where they lived. They loved their masters, and therefore they chose to stay. And certainly we have chosen to be slaves of Christ. And it is so much better than being slaves of sin, right? Amen. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Now, who are the saints? Well, the Roman Catholic Church has been in the news the last couple months with the choosing of a new pope, St. Francis. And, of course, when we talk about saints, we kind of think about the Roman Catholic Church and all the different saints uh, that they have canonized over the years. In fact, John Paul II very popular pope uh, in the last century, uh, is on a fast track uh, to be a saint. Back in 2005, he had the next to last step of his beautification process of becoming a saint. Uh, there was a miracle that was attributed to him, and so they had a big you know, festival, <laughs> a big celebration of that. And now I was reading that uh, there might be another miracle out there down in Columbia of a guy being cured of Parkinson's disease. It might be attributed to him. And so if that is proved and authenticated, and of course they look at his life and everything and see if he's worthy of being a saint, and someday he will be canonized. Well, I've got some news from my Roman Catholic friends. Um, I'm already a saint. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already a saint. They didn't study my life. Because if they would have, uh, I wouldn't have been a saint. <laughs> yeah, you know what? In fact, this might come to you as a surprise, but I am the holiest man. I'm one of the holiest people on this earth. Yeah. I mean, nobody can be more holy than Dan Harrison. Positionally, in Jesus Christ. Because, you see, 
Well, we talked about last week the gospel, right? I mean, Jesus Christ's righteousness has been placed upon me. And God sees me as pure and holy and blameless. And, man, I, I am holy in God's eyes. Nobody's holy. I'm, I'm as holy as anybody that ever lived because I, I'm holy as Jesus Christ is. Now, again, all that to say, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're just as holy as I am. You know what? That makes you a saint. Saint, sanctification, to be sanctified, that's the whole idea, right? So if you're a follower of Christ, if you became a follower of Christ last week, you're just as holy as I am. Because it's not your holiness, it's Christ's holiness that's been put upon you. And isn't that something to rejoice over? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Right. We are saints. Uh, positionally. Okay. <laughs> something to rejoice over. All right. So it goes on to say in Philippi. Now, Philippi was a very strategic city. You see a map here. And uh, it was uh, located strategically among some mountains and uh, on the sea there. And uh, so a lot of traffic went through Philippi. They did silver mining there. And about 10,000 people was a Roman colony. So it was settled by Roman soldiers who were retiring, a very safe place to live in. You know, it was outside of Rome, but it was like a little Rome. And you had a Roman colony, it's like stepping into little Rome. I mean, they did everything that people did in Rome and the same type of culture and things of that nature. So very rich culture there uh, in uh, Philippi. And that's where Paul, of course, had uh, started uh, this church. Uh, it goes on, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, a common greeting among Christians of that day. And isn't that true? All the grace and peace flows from God and beautifies our lives. Philippians 1.3, uh, we get into the body of the letter. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So again, Paul was a prisoner. Uh, he had been in some really tough prisons. I mean, like you're in a dungeon and uh, it's just like the worst you could, could imagine. But I believe in this particular period he was uh, under house arrest in Rome. So he might have been in a very small apartment uh, with a Roman guard. People could visit him, per se. And, uh, but at the same time, he was restricted. He couldn't travel. He couldn't teach the gospel. And so that must have been very frustrating uh, for him. But he had a lot of time to pray. I, I can imagine that he prayed... I don't know, probably several hours a day uh, for all the people that he had ministered to. He was always praying uh, for people, and uh, he had a lot of time to think. And so he was thinking about the people at Philippi, and he was just full of thanksgiving and joy. And, you know, I really encourage you to go home in your daily office and just let drink this passage in because it's just a beautiful passage of joy and encouragement. In fact, one person was... Same between services. Yeah, you took us through Ecclesiastes, the most depressing book in the Bible, and now you're taking us through Philippians, you know, the most joyful books in the Bible. But it's just really refreshing, I mean, just to read this passage. He said he's just full of joy, uh, Christ's joy for the people uh, at Philippi. And the key part you want to look at here is verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now. What does it mean, the partnership in the gospel? Well, partnership is the word koinonia, uh, translated fellowship. 
the idea of Christian fellowship, not just having coffee with another Christian, but sharing your spiritual life uh, with them, talking about who Christ is and, and your journey uh, together. That's the idea of fellowship. That's the idea of uh, contribution. In fact, this word in classic Greek uh, speaks of business, uh, setting up a business partnership uh, together. So the idea of giving financial resources and, uh, again, uh, doing a project uh, uh, together. So this has a lot of different meanings, and it's really a beautiful description uh, of what was happening with Paul and the people at Philippi. They had a fellowship uh, together in the sense that they were on a mission together. They were a family on a mission in order to see the gospel spread, to see people come into relationship uh, with uh, Jesus Christ. And when you think about uh, Paul's experience at Philippi, really it's a fascinating story in Acts 16. Again, go home and read it and uh, let the Lord speak you through it. But he, he went to Philippi, and what he would do when he went into a town looking to start a church is he would go to many times the riverside because if there wasn't a synagogue in uh, the area, uh, they would go to the riverside to worship. And there he found a group of women, and he found Lydia. And she was uh, a dealer in purple uh, fabric. And uh, she and her whole family became Christ followers and kind of the core, one might say, of the church there. Uh, in Philippi, and then they went into the city, and they uh, removed a demon uh, from a woman. But that was problematic because it was a demon of divination, somebody who could tell the future. So she was telling the future, and merchants were making all kinds of money off her. And they went in and cast this demon out, and the merchants weren't making any more money. They got upset. They caused a riot. They threw Paul and Silas in jail. They were singing hymns in jail after being beaten and. You know, the joy of the Lord, and, and all of a sudden, you know, an earthquake came, and all the doors were open. Everybody took off, all the prisoners. Philippian jailer thought he was going to die. He came to Christ and was baptized. You know, great stories, right? That was all here at Philippi, what we're talking about, these same people. That's how the church got started. And it went beyond that because the people at Philippi had this bond with Paul. So here they found out he was in prison in Rome, and they said, oh, we've got to help Paul out. And so they send Epaphroditus, uh, one of the uh, you know, leaders there at the Church of Philippi, they send him with this uh, financial gift to help uh, Paul out. They probably had to buy his food and those type of things. So they, they sent this money to Paul by Epaphroditus, but Epaphroditus really got sick almost to the point of death by taking this particular gift. And so Epaphroditus finally arrives with the gift. And Paul... Yeah, I just think that Paul was just overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed with joy. I mean, here he is sitting in uh, house arrest in Rome. And again, near the end of his life, there weren't that many people that really cared that much about Paul. Uh, but, but here the people at Philippi, you know, sent this guy, he almost died, to bring, them, bring him this financial gift. And he was just filled with joy. That these people would love him, that God would do this for him through the people at Philippi. So that's kind of, this, this is really a thank you gift, or a thank you letter that is, from Paul to the people at Philippi for this gift. Of course, he includes so much more, but, but he has this deep bond. And it's really interesting as you study these first verses and as you study other parts of, the, of this uh, letter, because many times when Paul wrote a letter uh, 
to churches, it's kind of like the letter you don't want to receive. <laughs> like the letters uh, to the church at Corinth. It's kind of like not the kind of letter that uh, you like to read because it's all about confrontation. Like, you guys got to get your act straight. <laughs> but, but with the Philippians, he had a unique bond of love. But they didn't have any major issues that come out in the letter. There were certain things he talked about, but it was just a love letter. Saying, I love you guys so much. It's so great to be involved in the partnership of the gospel uh, with you. Uh, it just shows the joy that we have. And as a church, and when I, when I think about this, and as I reflected upon it uh, this past week, I was thinking about our, our fellowship of the gospel we have here at Springbrook. And what a beautiful fellowship. It is. Hey, wasn't last week awesome, man? (laughs) Yeah, thank you. That's okay. Yeah. Praise God, man. We pulled out all the stops. God showed up. Boy, a good Friday service. and Boy, that was very special. Appreciate Pastor Rich doing such a great job of explaining the Passover Seder. Many people have come to me and said how meaningful that was. And it was. It was it was great, and then, then uh, Jeff uh, and the worship team and the production team, Good Friday and Easter, we were rocking this house on Easter, man. Yeah, just what we asked God to do, and we packed this place out, you know, over 1,150 people, and three people indicated that they had come into relationship with Jesus, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what we're talking about, yeah, that's what we were praying for, right, and then... You know, we're praying for Easter. We're getting ready for Easter. We're inviting people to Easter. We're putting yard signs out for Easter. We're sending postcards out for Easter. You know, yeah, yeah, that's the partnership of the gospel, man. We're on a mission as a family, and it's an adventure. It's a joy-filled mission. Isn't it great to be a part of the fellowship? Of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's what Paul's talking about here. The same joy that he experienced in this partnership with the people of Philippi, we just had a taste of it, right? The last weekend, as we put all our efforts together and say, God, empower us, make things happen, show up. And he did, and we are thankful for that. It's great stuff. And it just goes on week after week. I sit with a bunch of guys this past week. We were talking about Awana. And one guy, you know, it's near the end of the Awana year. And you always can tell an Awana leader at the end of the year, they kind of, you know, glazed over their eyes, you know. And they're kind of walking funny. And, you know, they've been a year with kids, you know, on Wednesday nights. And God bless you, Awana leaders out there. And this one a lot one leader was saying, "Oh man, you know these kids are getting on my nerves." <laughs> yeah. And then this other guy said, "Hey, listen, you know what? My niece attends Awana, and she is growing like wildfire. I mean, I mean, this guy was just going on and on, and and and, and I tell you, I mean, many of our conversions, most of our conversions take place in Awana. Uh, kids' lives are changed. It's a partnership of the gospel." Uh, introducing kids to the good news of Jesus and helping them uh, to grow uh, in that relationship. 
That's the partnership of the gospel. At the same time, we're a family on a mission, and that means that we do life together and we mourn with each other. And Linda Marcico losing Linda Marcico losing Frank and Darlene Rutledge losing Bill uh, or Jerry recently. Uh, our hearts break over that, and, and we rejoice when, for example, uh, Val and Justin Searles, Justin, our youth pastor, has has another child. To, to the, the gang, we have Levi Searles here. Uh, picture taken last Sunday on Easter, two days after uh, his birth. So we rejoice uh, with them. Uh, so, so we do life together, but we remember we're on a mission together. This is not just us hanging out, having a good time, loving on each other. Kind of like when my family goes on uh, vacation. Uh, we're staying at a hotel you know, one of my favorite things about staying at a hotel, I mean, you got a bed, you got a TV, what's the big deal? I got that at home, okay? But I don't have a whirlpool at home. I don't have a whirlpool at home. Now, I know some of you would never step in a whirlpool. You can give me all the details about what's in there. But I don't want to hear about it. Because I like it. I like the jets. I like the water. I like the warmth. I don't care what they say. Fifteen minutes, you've got to get out. I'm not getting out, man. I'm staying here. Fry my body. I only get so many opportunities to do this. And so my boys and I are playing in the pool. And Let's go to the whirlpool. We all get in the whirlpool. Oh, man, my body feels good. But the worst thing you want to happen, you're just, you're just soaking it in. There in the whirlpool, and somebody approaches the whirlpool. No. No, 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 no. I get this like once or twice a year. You are not coming in this whirlpool. This is the Harrison Reserve whirlpool. You can stay over there in that other really big pool until we're done. You know, it's awkward when a person gets in a whirlpool with you, a stranger, you know? I mean, strange things are happening to your, you know, swim pants and, uh, you know. And they're taking, i got to move, man. Don't cramp me. Come on, don't cramp me here. If you come in, i got to move. And then this intimate moment I was having with my sons just hanging out. They, they just come and ruin it. And I, I'm a pastor. i got to talk with a person, you know. Oh, man, I don't want to talk with you. I'm relaxing. Now, friends, that's the way we can so easily fall into an attitude as a church. Hey, we got a good here, you know. We come every weekend. We go to a small group. We're loving on each other. We're laughing together. We got our friends. You know, life is good. Strangers coming in the door. What are you doing, man? I don't have time for you. You realize I got enough friends already. I don't get. I don't need to get to know you. You know. Yeah, no, 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 no. I see the idea when we're on a mission. We're on a mission. We got this great whirlpool we're sitting in is not to put, you know, full. The, the mission is to build a bigger whirlpool. And if you're going to build a bigger whirlpool, it's going to take more time and more effort. And oh, yeah. I mean, without it, we're not. We're just a family. Families are okay, but God didn't call us to be a family. He called us to be a family with a mission to get the good news because there are a lot of other people in this area that would love our whirlpool. 
So it's time for us to move over to push down our swimsuits, to welcome them in and say, come on in. We love to have you. We got good news for you to love this whirlpool. Amen. Amen. All right. We are on a mission. Just one, one last thing here. I thank God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. I, I, I could say Dan Harrison thanks God in all his remembrance of his family at Springbrook almost always in every prayer of Dan Harrison's for uh, the joy that you, you bring me. And you bring me so much joy. You really do. You're just a, a community that we have here, how you love and support my family and minister to them and uh, reach out to them and resource them and uh, myself personally, the encouragement that you give me. And just to watch you grow, uh, just like last weekend, just to reflect on that weekend and see how you really responded to the call. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing. You're really special. And I'm so privileged to be uh, your pastor. And I'm full of thanksgiving and I'm full of joy uh, for you all. I thank you for all that you do. Um, So let's move on here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day, day of Christ Jesus. You know, when you study through the book of Philippians, it's a short book. But man, it's got the verses that live, that are life verses for people. It's got the verses that you... I know that verse. That's right there. Yeah. That's found in the first chapter of Philippians. Yeah, how many have been encouraged by this verse? Anybody out there have been encouraged? By, you've heard this verse before? Well, yeah, you're going to run into a lot of them in Philippians. And it's like, wow, this is, this is the verse that carried me when I thought God had you know, dropped me because I wasn't worth you know, working on anymore, you know? This is God's guarantee. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know why Paul wrote this. It could be that he felt that the people of Philippi were discouraged. We learn a little bit about the Macedonian churches. In 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, it says, uh, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. This is uh, the first European church. This is northern Greece. I remember, you know, uh, a person calling Paul to come over to Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity in their part. So life was tough for these churches in Macedonia. They were very, very poor but generous. Uh, They were under some type of affliction, maybe persecution. Uh, During living in Philippi, being a Christ follower and being surrounded by Romans. Uh, Again, life was tough. And, you know, as we look at uh, the Christian life, uh, last week we talked about uh, justification, right? We talked about uh, the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. Remember how we did that? Uh, we had the court scene and God was a judge and, and he said that you were under penalty of uh, breaking my commands and uh, Jesus Christ comes in the door and Jesus Christ says, I've you know, forgiven you and all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. I forgot one part and that is that once you say yes to Jesus, you know, God comes off the bench and what he does is he, 
he looks at you at the defendant table and uh, he, 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 he has you stand up and he gives you a big hug. Because, you see, God goes from being the judge to being your dad. Isn't that cool? I wish that would have happened at traffic court. But, um, you know, <laughs> but, but God goes from being the judge to being your dad. And your dad's all for you, right? If you have a healthy dad and, and your dad's supportive and your dad loves you incredibly. And, and that's a beautiful thing. You know, you come into this new relationship with God and you're forgiven of your sin. You're a saint, right? You're all holy and all that kind of stuff. And, and he says that he's going to finish the work. He's going to bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he's finishing it, man. He's going to make you not just positionally holy, but he's going to make you holy in every way. You're going to be holy in heaven. You're going to be perfect in heaven. And that's what we look forward to. Now, now, the challenge that we have, it's wonderful to be justified. And it's wonderful to be glorified, but we're kind of in the middle here for Christ followers. You know, we're going through this period of sanctification of God making us holy. All right? And, and, and you can get discouraged during that particular time. Can't you? You get discouraged. I mean, oh, we're such sinners. It's just kind of like, you know, oh, God, please help me. I'm sinning again. <laughs> and, you know, you know the, <clears throat> the ironic thing about spiritual growth? is the more you mature in Christ, the more sin you find. <laughs> it's kind of like you're cleaning a house, okay, and you're trying to make it all clean. And it's just like the more you clean, the more it gets dirty. It's like, what's the deal with this? How am I ever going to get this place cleaned up? Well, you're never going to get it cleaned up because you're a sinner. All right? So for those of you that are discouraged, maybe you misunderstand here, okay? You're not reaching any type of perfection in this life. You're not even reaching up to the next... <laughs> I mean, there's some growth that's going to take place, right? You're going to become like Christ, be sanctified, but don't expect great things, one might say, in terms of being perfect uh, someday on this earth. Uh, you're not even coming close. Uh, because, again, we're just sinners. That's what we do. Now, with a new nature, God has given the capacity to grow on a daily basis. But usually, Growth takes place slowly. How many attempted to play the piano at some time in your life? Raise your hand high. Keep your hands up. All right. You attempted. Keep it up. Keep, I see hands going down. You're still attempting here. You can't, you can't even keep your hands up for Pete's sake. I wonder you didn't make it with the piano. Okay, keep your hands up. All right. You attempted. All right. Now, drop your hand if you failed. Okay. How many? You can put your hand up. Yes. You're your piano teacher, Lori. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Is your self-esteem that low? Come on now, honey. Come on. There we go. All right. There we go. All right. All right. Okay. Now. All right. You can put your hands down. Way to go. Congratulations. Yeah, that's what the Christian life is like, right? I mean, you know, it's just like you're trying to play the piano, trying to play the piano. and But even if you get really good, there's always somebody that's going to be better than you. Because, again, it's not about comparisons or anything of that nature. You know, it depends on your personality style, too. You know, some of you are just so self-critical of yourselves. And so, therefore, you know, you really need to think about God's love. And you need to think about who you are in Christ. And you need to think about all your, how God has forgiven you and, and, and how he just wants to carry you through each day and give you grace. And you know, if you're beating yourself up constantly about your sin, that's not healthy. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? 
You need to really focus on God's love and who you are in Christ. Now, at the same time, if you think you're perfect and you're all that, you know, you need to start praying that God will convict you of some sin. You know? <laughs> right? I mean, so it's kind of like you got to find the right balance. But I really do believe that sanctification is people are, are people taking the initiative, okay, to grow in their relationship with Christ, uh, to know the Word of God, to pray, to cultivate relationships with other believers. And, and, and even the initiative that you take is through the power of the Spirit. So you can't take any credit for, let's say, being a more mature Christian because the Holy Spirit was the one who gave you the initiative in the first place, the desire to become more mature in Christ. And He's the one who empowers you along the way. So He does the miracle through you, uh, one might say. So all that to say is that, that this is a wonderful verse. So if you're discouraged, you know, you, you need to really... This is a verse you have to memorize. You have to know. You have to be familiar with it at least. And turn to it for encouragement in your spiritual life. And to realize you always will be a sinner. Uh, and that, that, that God, just like playing the piano, it takes a long time to master the piano. And, and in the same way, it takes, it takes a long time to mature in Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. Some of you are just expecting spiritual change way too quickly. Okay, and that's why you need to talk to other believers. That's, that's one of the beauties of being part of a small group because you realize, hey, these people are messed up as well, right? I mean, really, it's true. It's true. When we all start talking about, man, I can't get my act together. Yeah, I did try this. Yeah, like, oh, wow, you know, they're even more screwed up than I am. Yeah. But the point being is, you know, that if we're just operating on our own, you know, kind of doing Christian life on our own, we're always guilty. Like, no, it shouldn't be the case, okay? So, uh, great verse. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Philippians 1.7, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So he says, it's right for me uh, to feel this way. Now, he, the way he, I think the reason he says that is back then, there, back then Stoicism was very popular. And that's the idea. You're, you're Stoic, right? No emotions. You know, just get to the point. Get the job done. Don't be vulnerable in every way. You don't have any emotions. And so... Paul's saying, hey, it's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. Well, you know, rabbis in that day did not say that to people. I hold you in my heart. And if you translate it literally, or as a, an original language, it says, I hold you in my bowels. Well, guys, don't use that with your lady friend, your wife, you know. But that's what Scripture says. I hold. And when it talks about bowels, it's talking about your visceral organs, talking about your lung, your heart. Uh, your stomach, this area of soft organs. And, and many times this is where we feel sensations when we're attracted to somebody and we feel that warmth one might say. And that's kind of the feeling here is that Paul says, I love you guys. I'm committed uh, to you guys. For you are what? Partakers with me of grace of the gospel. You're partakers of the, the beautiful grace we've received from Christ. And, and, and you're working along with me both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So the thought probably is, whether I'm in prison or whether I'm out of prison defending the gospel, you're always there with me. And again, I just think this is this emotional, beautiful emotional response to this tremendous gift that the people at Philippi had, had given to Paul. 
For God is my witness how I yearn for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? And friends, you know, a beautiful part about being part of this uh, fellowship of the gospel is relationships. Now, we're, we're all far from perfect here, and there's conflict in any church and misunderstandings, and, you know, that's just the way it is. It's how we work through them that hopefully uh, distinguishes us uh, from uh, the world. But the point being is is that when you are truly engaged in a church, uh, it's a beautiful thing because you, you start to create relationships. In fact, I was talking with a couple after the service and uh, they're newer to the church, and they said, you know, we really want to, you know, get involved. We want to come engage. We want to come out to this, this small group starter uh, experience. And I said, that is so cool because, uh, you know, so many people hold back. And I can understand why people hold back. You know, it's, it's scary to get involved in relationships, and especially men. Uh, we're slower at developing relationships. It's an understatement than women are. Uh, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, I mean, we're thinking, hey, if we can't talk about the, the Cubs and the Bears and the Sox or the weather, you know, what can we talk about? Or cars or you know, some of the other common things that guys talk about. And so you're scared about coming to certain events here at Springbrook, think that we're all going to be you know, speaking in Greek and Hebrew. And <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, there, we have opportunities, guys, for you to step into, to experience uh, these joyful relationships uh, we've got um, our men's breakfast this uh, Saturday from 7 to 8.30. That's an easy first thing to do. You come out and you eat food. That's easy, right? And uh, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to. You can talk about the Cubs and the Bears, no socks. But, I mean, just, again, you can hang out. You don't have to say anything spiritual. Nothing spiritual has to come out of your mouth. Don't swear or anything like that. But, I mean, again, just come and hang out. And, and, and I really, I mean... I would pray that you do this. We've got a men's retreat coming up at the end of this uh, month, beginning of April, uh, I think May 3rd to the 5th, just over the, the state line in Wisconsin. And uh, no particular reason for that. But, um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but the point being is that I would encourage you to come out and, and engage in relationships, either at the men's breakfast or on the retreat. Because I tell you what, if you come to that retreat, your your view of, our church, if you've never been engaged before, your view of our church, your view of men, your view of uh, your spiritual life will never be the same. If you take that big risk and come out to this retreat, uh, I really encourage you to do that. It's a life changer. And you've got to become engaged. You've got to do small groups together. You've got to serve together. That's another way, of course, we see here with Paul creating these beautiful relationships. But man, I tell you, these relationships make all the difference. Well, let's go on to Philippians 1, verse 9. Now, 9 through 11 is a beautiful prayer that Paul prays for the people at Philippi. And it's always interesting to study Paul's prayers. Because when I look at the prayer requests that come across, uh, usually they have uh, three different themes. They fit into one of three different categories. Usually people are praying for their health or somebody else's health. Or they're praying about a relational issue, or they're praying about finances. Those are the three that I see the most often, and that's fine. Oh, yeah, keep, keep them coming. We want to support you in prayer in that way. But it's always interesting when you look at Paul's prayers, they don't necessarily center on those things. 
They center on spiritual things that certainly are going to impact your attitudes about your finances, about your relationships, and about your health. So my challenge for you is to take this particular prayer and use it as a model this week to pray for someone at Springbrook. Okay? Someone outside your family and to pray these three things that we're going to review uh, quickly here. Okay? So how does Paul pray for the people at Philippi? Verse 9, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. Now, again, this is rooted in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And it says with knowledge, well, I believe it's just not head knowledge, but it's experiential heart knowledge, that the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the more you experience His love and His grace and His mercy, the more that's going to flow out of your life in love toward other people, in your love toward God. So when's the last time you prayed for your husband, for your wife, for your kids, for another person, Lord, I pray that their love might abound? Well, if you haven't, this would be a good week to start because that's the way Paul prays for the people at Philippi, right? So, I mean, this is a biblical prayer. And so if I'm praying for somebody, let's say I pray for a gym, say, Lord, I pray uh, that Jim, my friend, might abound in love this week. Abound in love. I pray that he would experience your love in such a unique way that he would be more loving than he was last week. And maybe if I know Jim a little better, I could talk about different people that, you know, I know that he has trouble loving, whatever the case might be. But that, that, that our love would abound. So that's the first thing. The second thing is found in verse 10. It says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, so that you may approve. That word speaks of uh, identifying the properties of a metal and the quality of a metal. It also speaks about uh, identifying counterfeit money, so the quality of something. And friends, as you know, every day we face hundreds of choices in life. I don't even think about it, but we face hundreds of choices. And so I really believe what this verse is saying is, Lord, help this person to make godly choices. Godly choices. I was just with a couple uh, between services, and uh, he had two different job opportunities. And, you know, each one had its advantages and disadvantages, and he was really conflicted about it. And you know, I just brought up this passage that we had just studied together, and I said, Lord, as I prayed with them, I said, Lord, I pray that you would give him confirmation, that you would give him discernment in terms of what is excellent. I mean, there's a lot of good, 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 good stuff we can do in life. But then there's better stuff that God would have us do. And so the idea of growing in discernment is growing in wisdom in all choices that impact your life, that impact your worship for the Lord. So that's another thing you want to pray for this person. You want to pray that they grow in love for God and others. And then you want to pray that they would grow in discernment, whatever, wherever they're at. You know, i got three kids right now who are in that uh, 17 to 21 range, and they're making big decisions about the future, right? So I'm praying for discernment, okay? And, and that's where my head's at right now. But where are you at in regards to people that you know 
what, what choices do they need to make? And we're always making choices, and they impact our lives, and we want to be sure that they're Holy Spirit-inspired. Then finally, in verse 11, it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. Now, again, where does this fruit come from? Well, the joy comes from Jesus Christ. We look at John 15, and Jesus Christ is the vine. We're the branches. Nothing's going to happen without us being connected to the power of Christ. So, therefore, as we walk with Christ, you know, that fruit of righteousness is really talking about the fruit that we see in John 15, which speaks of how we serve uh, people and serve God. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, it's the idea of serving other people, doing good works, how God has designed us. So that's how you need to pray for this person. God, I pray that you would empower them. I pray that they would walk with Jesus and that they would uh, manifest fruit in their lives. And whatever kind of fruit you want them to, to manifest, I pray that there be more fruit in their lives. Uh, so again, this is a challenge. Uh, three things. Uh, and what you want to do here is you want to kind of meditate and study this passage. So as you're praying for the person, you take this passage out. And so let's say I'm praying for Bill, and I say, and it is my prayer, Lord, that uh, your love, again, it comes from God, the love, right? Your love may abound more and more in Bill. I know he's struggling right now in his relationship, uh, I don't know, child or whatever, or somebody at work. I know he's having a tough time loving that person. I would too. But I pray that uh, his love would abound, that your spirit-spilled love would just pour out of him with knowledge that he would really experience it and and really just see a, a significant change this week. And I pray for discernment in his life so that Bill may be able to prove what is excellent and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I pray that he would have discernment. I know he's facing this decision about a job or a ministry opportunity or about how he's handling a relationship. And I pray that you would give him your supernatural discernment to know what he needs. And then, Lord, I pray that Bill would be filled with the fruit of righteousness. I pray that through him being connected to the vine of Christ, uh, that he would see even more fruit in his life uh, this week in order that you might have the praise and the glory. Uh, so I encourage you uh, to do that. In fact, uh, we have our next steps here. And I encourage you to take out your communication slips at this time. Uh, I'd like you to fill that information out. If you're our guest, it's so good to have you. And just, uh, again, uh, fill out as much information as you feel comfortable. If you're a regular attender, just Fill out the names of the adults who are in attendance. But just circle one of these numbers, okay, under the name. If you feel so led, you don't have to. Uh, but I'll invite someone out to our new series. So those are new series, a great opportunity. If they weren't able to make it for Easter, you can do a follow-up. We still have our postcards, which are good till June, because <laughs> we put down a study in Philippians. Uh, so keep passing those out as the Lord leads. I'll take on the prayer challenge this week. So what I just talked about, if you just want to communicate uh, to me that, hey, I'm doing that. Uh, go ahead and do that. I'll make a commitment to attend worship gatherings in April. That's part of the disciplines of the spiritual life, gathering together as we unpack the book of Philippians and uh, worship our Lord. I'll meditate in or seek to memorize Philippians 1.6, our memory verse, well, a great verse. And five, I'm interested in knowing more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much 
for this tremendous book. I pray that we would master it as a congregation, that we would read it many times in the next three months, that we would draw treasures uh, from it uh, that would help us to glorify you. In Christ's name, amen.